Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. I am your host, Chris Swick, and on this podcast, we talk about mental health addictions, eating disorders, ADHD, and overall, anything anyone's afraid to talk about, we talk about it on this show. I believe everyone's story is valuable at the end of the day. It does not matter what walk of life you come from. You're all welcome on my platform. You can check my show out over on YouTube, From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Let's build those followers up and spread the message, spread the story of everyone, because everyone's story can help one another. Us sharing our stories will help, even if it's just one person. That's a win for me today. And also, you can hit me up over on Instagram at from or sorry at Depths of Dark Side. And over on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your shows, it's all over there. But no further ado, from the Connecticut area of the USA, I got Andre Jones on the show today. You want to take it away and let him know a little bit about you, Andre, and what you're all about? Sure. Thank you for having me, Chris. I appreciate it. This is fun. So I am a personal trainer in Connecticut. I A lot of what I do is one-on-one training for the most part. I just got a behavioral change uh, cert, so I'm starting to diversify my business that way a little bit and focus a little bit more on the psychological aspects of, of training because I think that's equally as important, if not sometimes more important than just the physiological. But yeah, Connecticut, born and raised, grew up here. And I've, there's two things I've always loved. It's been music and fitness. And I figured if you're going to do something most of your day, it should be something that you enjoy a little bit. So I have a degree in music and sound recording, and then I went back to school and, and got a uh, degree in, in fitness and personal training. So here I am. Yeah. That's amazing, man. And we've talked on and off since earlier in the year, but we finally made this happen. And then that's, you've shared a little bit about your mental health struggles and that like through life, man, everyone struggles with their mental health, but how did incorporating your fitness into your mental health journey impact your overall well-being? And what specific changes did you observe in your mental state as a result of just diving deep into this fitness stuff? So I love that question. So the it's very interesting because often to men, people don't think that people in the fitness space have mental health issues. And in fact, I find like most people in any space do. So a lot of times for fitness, it would start off with for many people just wanting to see a change in themselves, whether they're insecure, whether it comes from um, a negative background, whether they, a lot of it comes from insecurity for most people. That's where it starts. And then it, it if it goes the right direction, it turns into something more. You start to see the value in, in exercise and working out and you realize that is, it is a conduit for you to become a better person overall. So you realize that, uh, I, I was able to, if hopefully I was able to lift these weights and that allowed me to improve something that I was aiming to change about myself. I can take that same concept into anything that I do. And so it's, if you thought that let's for say, uh, for argument's sake, you couldn't squat 300 pounds and you did, then you start to realize what else can I do that I thought I couldn't do. And that is the beauty of it to me. It's almost like more of a way of life than it is just this luxury that you do. So for me, I've always, I suppose I've always liked to be physically active. It was something I enjoyed when I was younger. But I also think that in terms of mental health, where it met was I always felt inferior in a lot of ways, especially when I was younger. And so it was a way for me to self-empower and directly self-empower because the weights don't care about who I think I am. They don't care about how rich or poor I am. The weights are solid, man. They're an anchor. And what I mean by that is 
you can be a person that works on Wall Street or you can work at Walmart and 45 pounds is 45 pounds. It doesn't matter. And so there's this level playing field where you're forced to humble yourself and at the same time, empower yourself. And there's very few places in the world and in life, I think you can do that in the same space. And that's what I love about the gym. I love that you say that. It doesn't, basically what you're saying, I've heard, heard it so many times in recovery too. But addiction doesn't dis discriminate. It does not care about your race, your color, what type of money you make, your job. It, it, it does not care, man. It does not discriminate at all. That, that, that's, I can relate to that too. It doesn't matter if you work at Wall Street or if you work at Walmart. Or if you're, you're oldest, man, 45 pounds, 45 pounds. I love it. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, <laughs> it's so true. And you're very, yeah, you're right, man. That's why you find so many people from so many walks of life in that space, because to your point, it could be a person that's a recovering addict. They could be a person that went for, through a breakup. They could be going through a really hard time mentally or emotionally in their life. And everyone is there to become better no matter what. That's why you showed up. So I love that aspect about you being able to take something that is challenging and difficult and gives you structure and focus and allows you to be better than you were the day before when you can compile on that infinitely. And it's just beautiful. For sure, man. And it's so nice to just see people grow when you go to the gym day after day, if you guys go to the gym or if you work out from home, but it's nice to see people's journey and yeah. just see like how they've developed or what, what the case may be. And, and, and even if you have that slip up or if you fail, man, just get back up and get back to where you started and just keep going, keep trucking forward. It, it's okay. If you slip up, it's okay. If you relapse, it's okay. If something happens and sets you back and stuff like that, just keep going at it though. Don't never give up. Yeah. And that's that exactly what you said. I love that. And to your point, failing at the gym, again, using the gym as a microcosm for your life, it's failing and building on top of that failure all the time. And what you realize is success is mostly just built. It's failure. Failure is the foundation of success. So you go in the gym and again, right? I'll be like, I want to lift X amount of weight. And I didn't get it last week. I didn't get it last week. But to your point, if I keep trucking along, if I keep going, I'm eventually going to lift that weight. And it changes the way you look at certain things. It almost starts to make you immune to failure because you look at failure as opportunity to improve. And so it's about what can I take from this experience and where else can I apply it? So let's say it is a job or it's a person you want to ask out on a date. It ends up being one of those things where you're like, again, I, if I can do this, what else can I do? And if I get, there's only going to be so many no's before there's a yes. The point is to never give up and to keep trying and you will improve. So we got to the point where for me, I used to, when I was younger, be like, oh, I can't lift that weight when it would deter me. Now I get excited if I like am going for a certain amount of weight to live for argument's sake or a certain amount of reps. And I was like a couple of reps short or I couldn't get the weight, but I moved it an inch. I'm like, oh, I made it bleed. And I get excited because I'm like, if I was able to do it, move it this much, it'll only be, it'll be this much. It'll be, and then eventually I will get it up. And in that time I am improving as a person because my mindset is becoming more positive thinking but this week and I'm going to get it and I'm going to get it. And that energy alone is there's so much value in that. For sure. And, and I remember listening to this, this motivational speech, I think it was at the gym actually too, and it came on, but so it was basically called one more and I'd have to, but it's just, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life, but it was just awesome to hear that. But, and he did talk about in this speech, like one more rep, if it says to do 12, do 13. 
maybe you might even push it to 14. But for one more kilometer in your run, if you're going to do a 5K, push it to 6K. One more page read, read in that book that you said you're going to read 10 pages a day. Read 11. Then if you stack those and stack that at the end of the year, it's all about being 1% better yes. every day. Yeah. And and that's what life's all about. And that's what I love about life today. It's just, you know, one-upping yourself. You're only in competition with yourself at the gym, no one else. You versus that's you. What, that's what you have to realize. And these people realize myself and I get deterred sometimes. I missed the gym this week, but you don't need to go and double up on. I had a, someone on my guest, a guest on my show and he's a marathon runner and he's the same thing. And he's like, if I you know, missed a day of training, I don't go and double up the next day or nothing like that. You just missed a day. It is what it is. Yeah. And if it's okay, you don't need to beat yourself up and go and do legs and upper body all as one shot. Yeah. No, it's so you missed a day. You missed a day, man. Yeah, it, it's so true. And it and you're right. It is about the overall where it, it ends up leading you. And so you can only I always my mantra for myself, I have a few, but one of them is one day at a time, one set at a time, one rep at a time. And that is fa that does as fast as one can go. I can't go quicker than that. So if I focus on this rep and I do that again and again and again, I get somewhere. And that's the the beauty of it. And like the marathon runner said, you, I, I, I use this for clients when they say, oh, I didn't eat perfectly today. And I'm like, eating imperfect one day couldn't put you out of shape. No more than eating perfectly one day could put you in shape. It's not. Exactly. It's not going to matter if you had a few chips or ate that bag of Doritos with your wife. It, it, it is. You're allowed to indulge you're allowed to have a snack once in a while you know what i mean but then you have to set your limits and be consistent and mm -hmm. it's called discipline yes but you're allowed to enjoy an ice cream or enjoy those as long as you don't overindulge and that's the problem with me some days ice cream is my neck my my new addiction some days i tell you especially this nice weather right i love my ice cream man <laughs> no i understand man it's yeah it's about breaking it's about finding your limits and breaking them but also creating balance and Again, to, to what we were saying before, anything that you do that is not toward the best of yourself is a drug. And if I'm not balanced, if I am so focused and hyper-focused, obviously if I'm doing a competition or something that requires, that's fine. But if I'm living Monday through Sunday on any given day, uh, I need to be absolutely perfect. It's not a positive thing. I need balance. I'm not supposed to be perfect by nature. I'm a human being. I am flawed by design. So. I don't need perfection. I need balance. And, and also there's nothing wrong with being imperfect. There's information in being imperfect. I pain is information. It's unpleasant, but it is information. It tells your body something. It tells you something. So the same thing with being imperfect. I didn't do great today. What does, what's the resonance in that? What does that mean? Does it have to dictate the rest of my week? Probably not. Is there a reason why I wasn't perfect? Yeah. It's probably because I need to accept that I'm not supposed to be. And that's the lesson there. And that's way more valuable than me having been perfect that day. 100%, man. I love that for sure. And I'm reading another book right now. It's called The High Five Habit. And it's awesome. Every morning, just get up and look yourself in the mirror. You're not anywhere else but your bathroom and just give yourself a high five. And it, like, it brings that like dopamine. It just mm. gives you that. And if you can, it's all about creating habits. It's basically what this book's about. You consistently do that. And whether you started with your kids or your partner or whatever, but just looking yourself in the mirror and I am amazing or I am awesome. You know, give yourself that I vibe in the mirror. Yeah. And just, and that's an awesome way to start your day before you do anything. Like, cause we're all in the bathroom every morning, whether we're going to the bathroom, brushing our teeth, fixing our hair, whatever the case is, take those 
two minutes to yourself or 30 seconds to yourself and just look yourself in the mirror and give yourself a high five and tell yourself you're going to have an amazing day. And, and it's a great start to the, the day too. And it's a great way to create habit. And you keep stacking those habits and, and it just consistently happens. Like, yeah, yeah. It gets better, man. It, it makes, it, it starts the day off in a positive direction. And I, I, it's something I'll say to myself when I'm really, when I'm working out, especially when I'm doing a show, you're in a caloric deficit, you're tired. I, I'm, I'm going to take that word back. You're inconvenienced. And that's my point. So I, I, you're in a caloric deficit. You don't have as much energy as you would like to have. You're pushing and I'm not saying it isn't difficult. It is very difficult. It's a very hard thing to do. Totally worth it, but a hard thing to do. But the thing is when I'm feeling tired, right? Emotionally, I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I, I rephrase that and I go, you're inconvenienced. And, there, and it helps to switch it from me being like, I'm tired. I can't get another one to, it would be more comfortable for me to stop now. But if I can push past that, I will get something I never got. And so that's how you improve. And so it's just reframing. It's the high five in the mirror. It's saying I could start the day off and be like, or I could just high five myself in the mirror and then set a tone. And then if nothing, it won't hurt you. Why not? Exactly. And it also set that tone, how either you treat others, how you react or interact with others as well. You can either choose to, one of my buddies used this, he calls it sandbagger soldier, man. Yeah, that's, that's just new. That's just saying it's been like that for a while, man. Who's going to be a sandbagger soldier? Let's get up. He talks about it every day on his stories. You know, he doesn't want to go do that 5k run after leg day, but he does it Yeah, because he has other people that he's been holding accountable for a while. And then if he led, there's other guys that are doing this now and it's inspiring others. I even said to him the other day, I don't like going out walking even, but I did the other night. I was like, I need to get outside. Just go for a walk. I wasn't up for a run not yet, but yeah, you know, start off slow and slow and steady wins the race at the end of the day, you work up. They'll start out with a 5k run when you haven't done one in a long time. Right. It ain't going to go well, probably. A few K walk was fine to me. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the consistency, man, it's just like you said, it's about the consistency overall. And it's funny you mentioned that because something in terms of motivation, right? Something that keeps me motivated a lot and, and, and it's very humbling. So it's motivating in a humbling way. But I always try to tell myself when I don't feel like working out when I'm like, which is rarely, I actually love it a lot, but there's times where I don't. And when I don't, I tell myself, there is something that somebody is praying for the thing you're about to complain about. So the ability to work out, right? Like I woke up this morning, I had two arms, two legs. I had a, a, a the physical ability to do this, which is a gift because it's not owed to me. There's nothing saying that tomorrow I have to have everything that I physically have on my body at this moment. And so it's almost a way for, of, of me showing general and, and, and truthful appreciation for the fact that I even can do it because the only thing that would be worse in the moments where I don't want to do it is if I couldn't at all. And that keeps me really grounded. And so I go, yeah, I may not feel like this exactly today, but dude, the only, I don't have to have an arm. I don't have to have a leg. A lot of people don't. Millions of people don't. Millions of people, thousands, maybe a day could have lost the, the ability to use one of those things. So it just keeps me humble and it's, yeah, I, I enjoy this, not certain aspects of it, but I also enjoy just the ability to do it. There's like a celebration in that. For sure, man. And I, that's what it's all about is just staying humble, staying grounded, like remembering where you came from and where you were yesterday and just be grateful that you woke up with all your extremities working. Cause like you said, some people don't have that ability to do that, or you might not wake up with that tomorrow. You know, each day say, I love you to your loved ones and stuff like that as well, because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Tomorrow might bring death. Who knows? 
it's inevitable. We're all, we all die at the end of our life. Right. Who knows when we're going to die either. Yeah. Life is precious because nothing's promised. I love it, man. Life is precious because nothing is promised. You hear that everyone? It's so true though, because you know, don't think, don't take anything for granted. I used to take so much for granted over the years, but once I got clean and sober, it was like, I can't take anything for granted, including my wife. One day she might not be there and, or vice versa sort of things. Never take anything for granted, including life, because it could end tomorrow. It could end in five minutes. We don't know. Yeah. Very true. Very true. So enjoy those moments with your loved ones. Don't bicker and argue and fight over small little minuscule things that don't need to be fought, that could be resolved within five minutes. Don't hold those grudges on your loved ones either. Yeah. Well, people do that. And I've seen that so many times over the years and then you, they regret because they never got to say that what they wanted to say to them either because now they're dead. Yeah. It, it's again, using the gym as a microcosm for life. I always say, because you said you versus you, which I love again, very much one of my, my, my mantras, but nobody can get in your way. You can get in your own way. So thinking about it in that context, if you can move out of your ego and get out of your own way, you, there's so much more to life. So if you didn't say something to a loved one that uh, maybe didn't make you or not make you because you're in control of your feelings, if you got unhappy because of an interaction you had with them, is it going to be worth it if that's the last time you speak to them? If the answer is no, there is advocating for yourself. There's just sticking up for yourself and saying what you need to say and using your voice. But if you're going to be stubborn and allow your ego to get in the way of a resolution, it's a sad thing because there's going to become one day where you can't resolve it. So you got to get out of your own way sometimes, man, and just go, you know what? My ego needs to go over here. This is about preserving this relationship. And that's more important. And nine times out of 10, and in fact, I'd imagine more than that, 10 times out of 10, really, you're happy you did. Because if they were to pass away at that moment, whatever little thing you were bickering about, like you said, wouldn't matter. 100%, it would not matter at all because they're not there anymore. So yeah. was it worth it? No. Never. I've been in those situations too. And we, we, damn, I wish, you know, whether it was a buddy or whatever, but nothing you can do, nothing you can do if they're going to yeah. kill all of it, man. Could you share a pivotal moment or experience when you realized that fitness played a significant role in helping you combat your thoughts in your own head and improve your mental health? And how did that realization shape your approach to the fitness world after? Okay, so I'll do this in sections. A pivotal moment that, that fitness, there was an interaction with fitness, my mental health. I would say the first time I was able to do a bodybuilding competition. And I say able to, because it's so much more than the physiological, it's the mental part. And I was going through a really tough time at the moment. And it just, to be honest, it mentally and emotionally put me through the ringer. And I don't mean that as in the competition was negative. What I meant was it made me get very honest with myself because you're very sober. And what I mean is you don't even have sugar, <laughs> like you are eating so clean. So all the things that trigger dopamine, like the, the reward, chemical of if I work this hard, I get a drink. If I work this hard, I get some ice cream. All that stuff is gone. It's just you and you day in and day out grinding at this thing. And I realized at that moment that my first competition, I was like, as much as I'm going through in a prep was hard. It was difficult um, because of the emotional aspects. But I was like, if I can get on stage and be in the most caloric deficit or calorie deficit I've ever been in, if I've, uh, the hardest I've ever worked at this, and I was still able to hit goal, 
I can get through most things because the way you do one thing is the way you do most things. And I realized at that moment that like, I can get through most things. And if, and again, going back to the being humble, I need to get out of my own way. So I think that was a, a pivotal moment. And then what it changed in terms of the way I viewed fitness is I started to really realize fitness was a conduit for self-improvement. So I had this goal of, I want to get on stage. It's always been like this thing I wanted to do. And then I realized this is actually a way to be a better person. And it helped me connect with other people more because I, it made me realize everyone is going through a prep. And I know that they're not going through a prep in terms of maybe getting on stage, but everyone is going through this thing that they're trying to get on the other side of. And they're, you know, even if they're uh, an addict, even if they use uh, distractions or things, they're still trying to get on the other side of it. And it made me connect with people more and have a little bit more grace for people. And not that I didn't, I've always been a very empathetic and sensitive person by nature, but it made me really just look at things like every situation has its level of this, right? When someone's struggling, because what you're doing with prep is it's self-induced struggle. And then you start to realize most situations in your life, thinking about you being in charge of where you're at, most of our struggle is self-induced. Like we... percent, <laughs> man. Yeah. The struggles that you go through and, and people have trauma and things that happened to them as a child, that was the avenue I led was let's throw drugs in my system because that'll numb that pain. Well, there's other ways that people use the gym to numb their pain in different mm. ways and stuff like that too. Overuse the gym yes. as well. There's people that I've heard of and know of that they go to the gym three times a day for two, three hours at a time. Like they spend half their day at the gym and I don't think that's healthy on any level, you know, but that's just, that's a way to numb their pain. They may not be using drugs, but they're masking it with the gym or or they feel something else. When I went on, got on the hockey, when I played hockey and I got on the ice, it was like a, it was an escape for me almost. I was just angry inside for so many years and just, I just wanted to go fuck people up. Yeah. And then that, that's all I wanted to do. It was you know, at the end, I was just like, that's all I really wanted to do. I just wanted to put those skates on this equipment on and I could just go hit people. That's all I cared about. And, and that was a difference with this last prep because of think going back to the mental health aspect of it. I always looked at the gym as a form of, in a weird way, self-destruction. And it, I didn't work out three hours a day. I didn't do that. But the reason why I'd be able to push myself so hard in the gym is the root of that was because there was nothing I was lifting that was as heavy as what was going on inside. Comparatively, what I was feeling inside was any external weight was so light to me because walking around with the weight inside was so heavy. And so my last competition, which I finished a few weeks ago, what was so different was that it was the first time I didn't look at prepping from a place of self-destruction. And it's exactly to your point with, with doing hockey or, or working out three hours a, a week or a day or whatever the case is. I, most people aren't addicted to a drug. Most people are addicted to escapism. It's not, they don't love putting a needle in their arm and, and putting a chemical in it. They don't love taking a substance and running it up their nostril. They don't love that but they do love the ability to escape whatever has them feeling the way they're feeling. And it's interesting because thinking about it from, and this is where the grace part comes from. Imagine the type of pain a person has to be in to do things to themselves that they dislike. And that's better. That feels better to them than how bad they feel. Like there's, that's when you think about it from, from that perspective, I just, I have nothing but empathy for people because I'm like, you're doing the self-destructive thing and this feels better than the way you feel.
And that's so, you know, that's so, it's not sad because I don't pity them because pity would mean I think they're weak and I don't think they're weak. In fact, I think they're very strong because they're in a weird way, they're surviving. And I don't think that it's a positive way. It's maladaptive, but it is survival and you can't survive and be weak. So it's true. It's like you may call that homeless person weak or whatever, but you don't know their story either. That's another good analogy. You don't know that person's story and what got them there. As you or I are, we're only a steps away from that too. If we don't watch what we do either and pay our bills or any of those types of things, really at the end of the day, we're I'm steps away from it any day of the week. I, I could have the rug pulled right out from underneath me. If I don't watch what I do, especially watch my steps or get that old mind thinking in my attic mind and thinking I can, I can drink safe there. I can do drugs safely just one time. It doesn't work like that for me. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Example, so. So we, you got to have that compassion that you're talking about. It doesn't matter what someone's going through. Be compassionate. Ask them how they're doing. Maybe they haven't been asked that in many years. Maybe that might strike up that conversation with that person, that in particular person. Yeah. And you might get something out of their story as well. And they might get something from you as well. Yeah. You never know what someone has been through. And that's why you should never assume. That's why one of my favorite lyrics of all time is from Gimme Shelter. And it's just war is just a shot away. Never think that you're so good and set that you can't be the person that you are like judging. It's a shot away, man. Always. So again, that's where it comes down to being humble and appreciative and just realizing that there people probably are doing the best they can with what they got. Now, obviously some people, narcissists, people like that aren't, they're choosing to be bad people and that's fine. That's its own thing. But most people they're not, man. They're not, they're doing the best they can with what they have. And so maybe what they need isn't judgment or people being rude. Maybe they, they, more than anyone, they need compassion and love. That's where the help truly is. And I, for me, the other part of your question in terms, again, in terms of mental health, the other switch for me with fitness, uh, or I guess fitness made me, had me realize I do have an identity outside of my trauma. And I think that's something I never considered. I always felt like what drove me was my trauma. And then I realized I have an option to be something else other than this person uh, that I'm choosing to be created through trauma. I do have an identity outside of it. And so that was very, that's when the switch truly happened where I said, I can do this differently. And that's why I think this prep was so differently. I realized I didn't have to be the person I was based on the trauma I went through. What type of trauma are we talking about, Andre? Uh, a lot of it was just emotional things from when I was a kid, some physical okay. things when I was a kid. But that's, I think, also, and it makes perfect sense, right? When you think about being in positions where you feel weak uh, as a child, you a lot of me working out and where the trauma came from in the beginning was now thinking about it, it's, it was my way of trying to protect myself then. So I was creating this... Basically, if I can create this strong physique and be powerful in X, Y, and Z, it's almost like this weird way to self-correct when I felt weak. So a lot of it was like inner child stuff. If I'm strong now, I can protect that kid when I couldn't protect myself then. And you find this with anything. It's the person who dates the person who was like their abusive parent. You're trying to fix it through someone else. So I was it's trying to- It's true though. It's so true. Yeah. So I was trying to fix- I was trying to correct that through this. That's how it started. Where it ended up was realizing I was never weak. I was just a kid. 
<laughs> and I can't be weak because I'm still here. And I don't say that boastfully. It's just what I meant about the survivor part, where it's if I was that weak, I would have given up and I didn't. So maybe I should give myself some compassion and grace and realize I'm here and I don't have to just be driven by this trauma. I can actually be a person. For sure. And then, and that's amazing that you're able to share that and have had put thought into those things. Cause it sounds like at the beginning, this journey was all about escapism for you in the gym as well, mm -hmm. but you, you're being vulnerable and sharing that though, too. It's not like you're just saying, Hey, people use it. The gym as escapism. It sounds like that's what you were using it for at first as well. Oh, of course, dude. I'm no, I am no better again, human, right? Not a special in that sense. I, I am a person just like everyone else. And in the beginning, it was definitely escapism thinking about it and looking back on it. But again, I don't, it gets you. That's where I feel like if you can recognize those things, you can build upon it and become a better person and realize there is more to you. And I hope that anyone listening to this realizes that whatever your trauma is, whatever you've been through, because we all have our forms of it, there is so much more to you than that. And it doesn't have to be your identity. And the maladaptive things you may have done or do, they do not define you. You are so much more than those things. For sure. And it's, and let's dive a little bit into the music because you probably use music as a therapy source for yourself as well. Yeah. What got you into music? What sent you to school for music at first, becoming a sound recording and a major music there and stuff like that? What was it? Did you learn music at a young age? So I, I learned how to play piano by ear and I didn't, I'll tell you the chronological way this happened. So. I used to just play at my grandma's house on the piano, just hear a song and try to figure it out. Cause I'm, I'm over analytical. I just thought that sounds cool. I want to figure this out. And it's on this untuned piano, but I was able to figure it out and I kept doing it and kept doing it. And then I was able to figure out certain songs. I went to a community college because the college I wanted to offered music and sound recording was the only one in the area. And, but I was like, it doesn't really, I'm just going to do general ed and save some dough because general ed needs to get done. So I uh, went there for two years and there was a music theory class I had to take that uh, I wanted to do because I knew I, when I went to the university I graduated from, I needed this. But the music theory class there uh, did not go as in-depth as the university class. The credits transferred, but it wasn't the same, right? So once I'm at the university, it is advanced. I pretty much had to teach myself music theory, but then I realized that music theory was basically algebra that you can play. It was just math that you can play. And this is where my overanalytical brain helped me out because instead of me just being like, I don't know what to do. I was like, oh, it's like an equation. There's inverse things here. So I will give you an example. I'm not saying this rudely. I don't know, know how much you know about music, but in the key of call, really, I just love listening to it, okay. <laughs> but I do have musician friends, but once we start talking about music theory, I'm listening, but I know nothing. So you don't make me, you're not going to be rude at all. Okay. <laughs> all right, cool. So I'll give you a simple a way to look at this in the key of D major. There are two sharps. The sharps are on C and F. In the key of D flat major, so that would be the one half step down, and it would be a major scale belt built on the same key, but just a half step down. The only notes that are not flat is C and F. So it's like an equation, right? It's like an inverse equation. And so I started to look at music theory like that. And I think for me, music, what I've always loved about it, it was a universal language and it was just freedom. Music has these confines based on scales and keys and everything outside of that is just perfect self-expression. And there's very few places in the world where you can go and express yourself freely and have people understand in a weird way. It's like you're saying something without speaking and you're, you're describing something through music, at least for me, and things I can never put in words. And there is so much 
beauty in that to me. And so it was, for me, it was a way to connect with freedom, expression, and people. It was a way to connect with people in probably the most vulnerable way possible because I always played from my heart. So when I'm playing, it is extremely vulnerable, you know? Uh, you know, some people are afraid to play in front of others, but they just love playing by themselves. Yeah. Too. And I see that with other friends or my cousin, amazing piano player, but hates playing in front of people. He just loves doing it for himself. And some people are like that and that's okay. I have lots of musician friends or lots of people that have done well for themselves in the music industry and stuff like that. And it, it's nice just to see the way they express themselves through their songwriting and stuff like that. And it's just beautiful to, I love picking apart songs and listening to the story in a song. Oh yeah. Whether it's hip hop. Uh, my favorite hip hop or rock and roll or just alternative or anything like that. There's so many awesome stories to be found in songs. It's amazing. And it's connecting, man. And, and it's what, what's funny. You mentioned that I, I get nervous every time I play in front of somebody still every single time. But then it's, it's almost like doing a competition. I get nervous every single time, but then something happens, man. And I get in this flow state and I just, it's almost like on site. I remember or not remember, but I can directly feel while I fell in love with it. Exactly why. And then I'm just at peace, man. I'm good. And I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm also not. I go from being like very cerebral and analytical to just being in what I'm doing. And there's that, the gym and music are probably the two things that really get me like that activity wise. And I'm, honestly, lately, I think training too, just because the connection with people, you start to realize someone walked in for, I want to get lean. I want to do whatever. And then they walk out, they get lean anyway. That always happens, right? Because they're doing the work. It makes sense. It adds up. But what ends up happening is their perspective on life changes. And to be a part of that, to get a front row seat, a front row seat to it, there's, there's nothing like that. It's like, again, it's watching someone improve in real time. It's amazing. And it's nice to see like, yeah, I worked with that guy or whatever. It's what, whether whoever has a health coach, whatever it is, but if you consistently do the work, you're going to see the results as well. Mm -hmm. And I like that you talk about, I get nervous. I've done some speaking engagements lately and I was. I didn't want to go up to the last one. I was like, you know what? This is in front of my old high school. They asked me to come share my story and everything. And I was just like nervous. I actually thought about not doing it at one point. The day of was I'm walking in there. I was like, I'm just going to, I'll make up an excuse. And I'm talking to my head. But once you get going in this flow, I didn't even want to stop talking, but they only gave me so much time because there's so only so many slots for the event. But you get, like you said, you get in that flow state. And I was just like, this isn't that bad after all. Yeah. 500 people out there, whatever the case is. And, but it just felt great to, and liberating and humbling experience to share your story and whether they helped one person or five people. And my buddy messaged me and these people really got touched by your story in the community. And I appreciate hearing those, that feedback and stuff. Yeah. Because sometimes you're your own worst enemy. Like you said, you beat yourself up. Did I really do that good? Did I do that. You know, what people are messaging me after saying, the opposite. So obviously it touched them. So obviously I did something good, but you don't, you're always your own worst critique at the end of the day too. <laughs> oh yeah, man. It's funny, right? Because when you're playing, going back to music, there's times where I've messed up, whatever the case is. But one of my friend's mom said something to me. And I never forgot this. She said, playing perfectly doesn't mean it sounds good. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, when, and it was a very sweet compliment. Like I, it stuck with me to this day, obviously. She said, when you play, I feel what you're playing. Even when it's not perfect, you can, you may slip and mess up a note, but I know how connected you are and that there's an energy to it. I've also heard people play every note perfectly and it's just hollow because all they're doing is executing something per perfectly. So 
in flaw, there is beauty. And you not doing something, playing a piece perfectly as it's written, but playing it honestly to you will always connect better with an audience. It's this energy that you get because it's genuine and it's altruistic and it's authentic for them. And they feel that. They get that energy. And if I sat there and played a piece perfectly, you'd be like, technically it was good. But it's almost like, I always say it's like passion. You can have someone, if you took the realm of intimacy, you can technically be good at intimacy. You can push all the right buttons, do everything. But if there's no connection, all that happened was a physiological exchange and then physiological things happen with the human body. But if you're passionate and there's a true passion there and a true connection, that will always feel different and better. Even if all the right buttons weren't hit, all that stuff, that connection is what makes it different and unique. So it, to me, do, playing music, working out, those things, it's intimate in that sense. It's not about perfection. It's about connection. 100%, man. It's all about connection in this world. The opposite of addiction is connection. Community. Mm, I love that, build man. that community at, at the end of the day. Take it back to being nervous on stage. It was funny. I had a conversation recently with my daughter. She was part of the talent show at school. She's only eight years old. She loves playing the ukulele. We've had her in ukulele classes for a while. But she said, I was dad. I was really nervous to getting up on the stage in front of the whole school. But then it just went away. She said, <laughs> I said, what, but I said, what song did you guys sing? And I didn't realize that I guess her and her friend had written their own song and her friend sang it and she played the ukulele and they made up a song about dreams. <laughs> so, you know, but, and they got through it though. And she said it was fun though, you know? So like anyone can do it. Everyone's nervous. I think everyone gets nervous. Doesn't matter what it is going in. I still get nervous talking to people at work, but I'm doing my job as sales. I still get nervous sometimes. You know, how's this one going to go? Or how's this interaction going to go? Yeah. Or I get nervous making phone calls sometimes that I don't really want to make, but it's all about being honest though, from the get go, being honest with yourself is going to help you be honest with everyone else. Being honest may hurt, but it's, it doesn't, that hurt doesn't stay long because you've been honest from the beginning instead of lying, the little yeah. lies turn into this big of a lie, then a bigger lie. They can't keep up with your lives. Like, it's always just about starting out with honesty right from the get-go. Yeah, and a, and a level of self-respect along with that, right? And there's also the other aspect of it, like you said, even being nervous with sales or your daughter playing the ukulele, often nervous is, again, looking at it in terms of information, it's like you're nervous. Why are you nervous? It's probably something that you're creating in your own head that most people aren't even, they're not even worried about. And on the other side of that, being nervous is probably something that you really want. So there's experience on the other side of nervous is experience. And it tends to, if it's generally positive ones, that's where life happens. Life working out, if thinking about life working out for you and not against you, on the other side of your fear is life working out for you. You just got to move past it to get the things that make life worth living. For sure, man. It's all about just finding the pieces to that puzzle and putting them together at the end of the day. And then life starts to fall into place. And, that, and that's the beauty of life. Once you start doing great things or doing good things and not being a piece of shit or you know, an asshole, life really comes together, man, because it's, you know, you start treating pe others the way you want to be treated, you mm. know, vice versa and stuff like that's what life's about, you know, treating others the way you want to be treated. If you're going to treat people like an asshole, they're going to treat you like an asshole in return. Yeah. And if you treat people with respect, you'll get respect in return. Yes. I've learned that the hard way in life. <laughs> but I think in a lot of ways we all do. I think we've all had situations where we were the dick, man. And we had to, it's so empowering accountability, the accountability in that, what you just said, like being like, if you're going to be an asshole, it's the power is saying, 
yeah, I'm being one. And then you could stop being one, right? So again, on the other side of things, it's if I can, instead of me shirking things and it putting it to the side, if I take accountability and go, all right, I was a dick. <laughs> you can then self, you can correct that. And going forward, you could not be one. And you could also hopefully apologize to the people you were, and then it's better. So there's so much power in accountability and not being a victim of everything. Because again, we're often where we're at because of ourselves. And if we can just say, I'm here because of me, I can not be here because of me. And that's, there's so much power in that. Yeah. So I, I can relate so much because for so many years, it was everyone else. I was never the problem. Everyone else was the problem. Yeah. I never did anything wrong. <laughs> you guys did this to me. Yeah. No, man, I had to do some deep plucking and deep digging inside. And I was the problem. No one else was. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day. And once I realized that, I was like, it was a huge wake up call. It still is a wake up call to me to this day. Because if I don't realize that I am the problem, like I'm the one that am, am the sole controller of my mission, of my ship, or whatever you want to call it, my truck, I'm the one that controls this truck. If I choose to be an asshole, that, that's on me, not on anyone else. I can't blame anyone else for my choices, my actions at the end of the day. Yeah. Like you said accountability, it ties in with accountability there. You got to hold yourself accountable for your actions and what you say and stuff like that. Because you can't take back what you said. It's already out there in the universe too. Right. Well, like I heard a podcast recently and he's, it's okay not to say those things, but just don't say them because once you put something out there and whether it's hurt someone's feelings or said something really derogatory or it's out there, mm -hmm. it's out there for everyone that's heard it. So you got to watch what you say. You when you come on shows, like you don't want to say something that's going to directly hurt someone or whatever. You got to really, it's like using that whiteboard up in your head, you write it down first. And even to get to take a few seconds, I've learned that there too. Use your whiteboard up in your head. It's your imaginary whiteboard. Write it down. If it's not going to be good, if you don't think it's good, then I don't think the person you're going to say it to you is going to think it's any better. Yeah, yeah, man. There's nothing wrong with taking a second and going, okay, being mindful. And that's the greatest thing about accountability is to, to what you said is I've done that so many times and I've been self-destructive, man. I, after thinking about back to your question, when things click. There was just one point, man, where I was just like, how many times, Andre? How many times? If this was going to work, it would have worked by now. How many times do you need to do this? And it's not anyone else's fault. It's you because you're not a puppet and you're not being controlled. At the narrative that sounds easy is so-and-so did this and I did this. And that means that's a reaction. But I should be responding. Responding would require thought. So that's why it's on me because I don't, I choose how I respond to something. And in responding, there is thought. If I choose to react, again, that's on me. So it just goes, how many times, man? Uh, when are you done? <laughs> when are you tired of it? Because you're going to end up in this spot and everyone else is going to be fine, as they should be, because you did this to yourself. 100%, man, for sure. You know, and, and I appreciate you being vulnerable. Vulnerable. And sharing these things today, man, I truly do. But before we go today, Andre, man, is there one thing that if there's one piece of advice you could give everyone, what is? My best, that's a tough question, just because. It, you it, want to spit out 50 things. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's the truth. It is. The truth is that there's so many things I'd say. If I can give anyone any advice on anything, it would be to whatever you're going through, really, whatever it is, addiction, a breakup, a, a tough time at work, whatever the case is, understand that there is so much power 
that you do have. Your best security is yourself. So you're, it's not your employer. It's not your partner. Not that your partner's not important. I'm just saying they're not the sole um, form of security. It's not your, um, it's not your anything. You are the, the sole security for yourself. And, and in being that, you can just do so many things. You, you truly can. So the things that you think you can't do, uh, test them, break your limits, test them, and you probably can. And in that, you're, it's so empowering because when you realize how powerful you are, you can be a better employer or employee, a partner, a friend, whatever you're trying to be. It all starts with you. And I know that seems cheesy, but it really does. It starts with you. It starts with the way you, your behaviors, the way you treat yourself, the way you, the things you say to yourself, to your point about bringing things into the universe, it all starts with you. And if you start to make those habits good ones, you will overall be better for everybody. I love that, man. When it, it comes back full circle, just about treating others the way you want to be treated. You know, if you're going to be grumpy, your whole day is going to be grumpy. You know, yeah. start just start being good, putting that out into the universe. And if you keep repeating that over and over again, it's like any habit, just stacking them and stacking them. You're going to become a better person overall. You're going to become that consistent person that wants to go to the gym every day. Let's get up and go for that walk. And another thing I take away from other people that I've been hearing a lot lately, learn to set boundaries, people, mm. because boundaries are huge. Learn. It's okay to say no. You know, I used to be the worst. And sometimes I still can be about not saying no. You know, it's okay. If, if you don't feel like going, but you're going just to people, please. It's okay to say no to going out that night with those friends or it's okay to say, no, I don't really feel like hanging out tonight. It's okay to tell someone that yeah. it's okay to say, no, I, I don't feel comfortable going here or whatever the case is. It's okay to say, no, learn to say no. It's the best thing you can do for yourself to set those boundaries too. Oh, absolutely. I was a classic people pleaser, man. I really, because I think when you're an empathetic person, you really are. What's interesting to going on the topic, not to run too long, but what's interesting going on the topic of addiction, a lot of people that are addicts that I've known, they are people pleasers by nature. They're, they're, I think a lot of people think that it's just like these people who had effed up situations or they're effed up and they want to do all these things that are, are negative. And I'm like, nah, man, they're, a lot of them are very kind and sweet and compassionate people. They just, but managing certain things with them are very hard. So even down to people pleasing, it's if you feel you can't say no, and this may seem silly, but if you feel you don't have the ability to say no because you lack that a level of self-respect, it is really easy to get into something maladaptive. That energy has to go somewhere. And so I didn't respect myself here. I need to repurpose that somewhere else. And that's usually something that's negative. And that's where a lot of things like addiction and mental health problems even come from. I don't want to say problem because it's not. It's just something you need to manage. So a, a mental health issue, right? That's where it comes from. 100% man. It's like seeking validation outside yourself because you don't know how to be okay with yourself. Mm -hmm. so, I think, so you seek validation, whether it's with women, sex, drugs, or whatever the case may be, other people. It's just, you got to learn to be able to love yourself at, at the end of the day first, before you can put that love out to the world to everyone else. Yeah. I mean, isn't that why we judge others? It's easier, right? It is easier for me to say so-and-so has this and this wrong with them because then I don't have to focus on me. And what I have exactly. wrong with me. And if that's harder, it's easier to look at someone and go, they don't have it together. And then I don't have to at that point, so I'm distracted with them. I don't have to worry about what I don't have together. And Which is probably worse off than them. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
that's probably why you even care in the first place, right? So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, man. And like, I think we got a great episode out of today. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on and share some of your stories, share some of your insights, and just give some awesome conversation pieces for everyone to listen to here on this episode today. You know, if I could take away one thing, it was about accountability at the end of the day, just being accountable with yourself so you can be accountable to others at the end of the day, man. Thank you. Before we go though, Andre, where can everyone find you if they, maybe they, I don't know if you do online services or not like that. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, where can they reach out to you? Lean Life CT on Instagram. You can, my logo will be it just in case you can't, you want, you're looking through it. Cause I don't know what Instagram looks like for searches these days. It's a logo that is blue that has an L and an F in it. So that would be the default picture. So that'd be me. And yeah, DM me, hit me up. Anything, man. I love this, man. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on. This was awesome. And if anyone, I'll drop everything in the show notes for anyone that missed that as well. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day, Andre. And thank you for taking the time out of your day to come on the show today, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. You too.